You know, this pathway is so simple that it's too simple for a lot of people. That's because they are still looking for the answers in the mind and through the realms of mind. And the mind makes everything quite complicated. I don't know if you've had that experience, but I have found that when I start approaching life through my mind and trying to find solution through the mind, that it just seems to get more and more involved, more and more complicated, and there's more and more to do. And when you begin to approach the spiritual path, the one thing you don't want to do is to bring the mind along the way so much. Because the mind will do everything it can to tear it apart, to find all the little pieces, to understand every little detail. And in spirit, there really isn't a lot to understand. There's not a lot to tear apart. Spirit is very different from these realms of the physical. The physical natures are very complicated. They have multiplicity, multi-dimension, multi-awareness that we can move through, into, have experience in, and still have a hundred thousand questions at the end of all that journey. Because we won't find the answer in the bits and the pieces. But if we approach spirit in a very simple way, we'll begin to find and understand something very different. I know that when I was very young, I began to do just that. I began to try to approach spirit in the way that I was being taught at school in my classes of science. And the more I tried to apply that scientific principle of mind, research, delving into to get the depth and meaning of things, the more complicated this pathway of spirit, of God, of loving, really seemed to be. And the further away it seemed to be pushed from me. And I remembered back as a child how simple God was, how simple spirit was, how simple my life was. And my life back then was based on loving God and allowing God to love me. And I understood so much more about who I am who I am as soul, who I am as spirit, who I am in this world by approaching it in that simple manner. It's when I began to approach it in a more complicated scientific way that I thought I needed to do to be a part of this world and to fit into this world that it only got more complicated and it seemed as though God was being pushed aside or moved aside, or he was definitely getting further away. So when I was about 15, 16 years old, I decided to go back to the simple way, to go back and approach spirit and God and loving in its simplicity rather than its complexity. And I also found it was a lot simpler to do that. 
in many ways. So I began to not read books to try to find out about God, to try to find out about spirit, to find out all this and understand all that. I just sat down and went back to what I had been doing as a child, and that was just to sit and talk to God. Just go inside, close my eyes, and talk to God, and share with God, and listen to see if God had to say anything to say to me. Because as a child, I would hear God speaking a great deal to me, not just me to God. But as I got older, I began to pursue God with the mind, and all of a sudden I found out God kind of stepped back and I was doing a lot of the talking, but nobody was talking back. Nobody was sharing that I was aware of. So as I approached the simplicity once again, I began to find that there was something very dynamic, very real, and yet very subtle that seemed to be at the center of all that that I was finding to be spirit. And what I found was loving. Uh, as a child, I knew the loving, but I never had really looked at it, approached it, experienced it, lived into it the way I was beginning to do so then at 15. And it's actually at that time that I came up with the phrase, or I heard the phrase and started to, to put it into practice, God first and God only. And the more I began to apply that in my daily life, the more I found that life became simple. It became easy. And the things that I needed to understand, that I wanted to understand, also became easy. Because I wasn't approaching it through the mind. I was approaching it through the loving, that loving spirit of who I am, the soul. And I also found that when I was a child, I could rise up above certain situations in my life or in the world around me and get a different perspective on them just by going in and closing my eyes and being in that prayerful state, which I later realized was meditation. And in that state, I could truly lift up above all these elements of this physical creation and get a true perspective on what was really going on within me, within my environment, or within that which was going on with others, such as my parents or my brother. And I remember I was 12 years old, 13 years old. I was 13. And my brother was just moved back in the house after being gone for seven years in a marriage, and they were now getting a divorce. And he moved in, back into the house, back into his old room, and it was very strange to have him there because he was going through so much turmoil, so much anger, so much stuff. And I could feel it, and I could see it, and I could hear it, and it was stirring me into a state of turmoil, which I did not like. And I couldn't understand exactly what was going on between him and his wife and the children. 
I couldn't really understand my parents' upsetness and what was taking place. And I wanted to understand, and I tried to understand, but the more I did, the more I went into his pain and their disturbance and all that was going on in this unrest at the moment. So I remember I took it into prayer. I took it into my talking with God. And I just sat down and I just started telling God, I don't like this. I don't like the feelings. I don't like these thoughts. I don't like the energy around me. I don't like people being mad at me and I didn't do a thing for them to be mad at me about. And on and on and on and on. And I said, I need to understand what's going on. Tell me, show me what's going on. And I, in my mind, I was just, pursuing it, trying to figure it out through my mom and her words that she said, through my dad and what he had shared with me, through my brother and all of his whatever. He wasn't speaking sense. He was really just out of his mind, I think. And I can understand that now, but then I couldn't at the age of 13. It didn't make sense. And as I sat there, all of a sudden, this peace came over me. I mean, a peace that I really had not experienced in that fullness before. And as it came over me, all that other stuff just kind of like melted away. It didn't, it wasn't pushed away. It just kind of melted away. I don't even know how to explain it other than that. It was just gone. And all of a sudden I realized what had happened was it didn't, drop away, I had risen above it. In my focusing on God and talking with God and just holding my loving with God and being in that flow of loving that I had begun to find the centeredness of just loving, this column of loving, I began to rise up it. And as I did, I could look down and I could see all these things that I had taken on myself and that had been put upon me and it was just in the air around me, were not falling away from me, but I was rising above them. And boy, did I like that. Because it was the peace. Oh my God, the peace. It was quiet. It was simple. I, I, there's no way to describe the, the true peace that is in spirit. The only way that you would really understand it is to go there yourself and have that same experience, which you can, through prayer, through meditation, through that process of just focusing on God, being with God, giving it all up to God, and let God do the rest. So when I got up there and I could look down, I could see all this energy, all this turmoil, all this stuff just like whirlwinds and tornadoes and storms just all over the place and my brother's energy and my mother and my dad and my ex-sister-in-law, sister-in-law back then and all these people. And I realized that I had just gotten caught up in their storms. And I had taken on a lot of the energy of their storm and was living it. And that's where the confusion was. And all I, I realized what it meant to step back from something. I had heard adults say, oh, well, just step back from it and you'll understand it. Get a different perspective on it and you'll know. Well, 
for the first time in my life, I think I understood what they were speaking of. And I, I, I actually asked my dad a little bit later in the week or two weeks later, you know, about this whole thing of stepping back and getting a higher perspective and all that. And is this what he experienced? And he looked at me and he said, well, no, not really. I don't think I've ever really experienced it like that. And I said, well, so what do you mean when you say step back? And he said, for me, stepping back is avoiding. It's just like pushing it away and saying, I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to do you. It's, it's that kind of step back. He said, what you're describing is something I would have, I've never experienced and I would have never thought of. But when I lifted up above it all and I could be in peace, I could see what my brother was missing in his life. I could see what my brother was angry about in a way that I could never have understood when I was here. And I saw it through loving eyes, I saw it through neutral eyes, and I saw it from a place of not feeling responsible. Have you ever had a friend come to you with a problem? And you sit down and you're really wanting to be loving and and participate with them in in a serving way? And by the time it's all over with, you feel responsible for their problems? And Okay, listen, I'll help you solve this, we'll get this figured out. And you're buried in it. If you've ever had that experience, that's what I was feeling with my brother. Well, now I had a different perspective. And I also realized I wasn't responsible for the situation. And what he was going through was his lesson, not mine. There was something there for him to learn through his experience. And that was a mind-opening experience for me to be aware of. There was something for him to learn through his experience. It wasn't for me to learn. It wasn't for me to teach him. It was for him to learn. And all I had to do was give the space of loving, of loving attention, loving listening, loving participation, but realized I did not have the responsibility to teach or to balance or to fix things. And so I can remember coming back from my prayer and I could feel myself getting drawn back out into the world, out of my centeredness, out of that loving and out of that peace. And I could feel the whirlwind around me. And I just said, Lord, You've got to come with me. You've got to do this with me. I can't do this alone. I can't walk in this house. I can't walk in this stuff right now. And sure enough, some of the loving and some of the peace came back or I got centered back into it. I don't know. To me, it was like it came back. And I walked out my bedroom and I could hear my brother on the phone down the hall yelling. And I thought, okay. And I remember taking a deep breath and just going for it, just walking down the hall to see what I was going to experience. Well, I got down to the end of the hall. He slammed the phone down so hard on the the phone that it just broke off the wall. It just He just pulled the whole thing off the wall 
that fell to the floor, the wires hanging there. And I thought, ooh, I wanted to go back to my bedroom. (laughs) And he turned to me and he looked at me and I thought he was going to yell. I thought, you know, I'm going to catch it now. And he sat down on the floor and just started crying. That's hard to watch. Somebody you love do that. But then I realized, oh my God, he had reached a point of a turning in his life. He was giving up or he was becoming aware of something, but he was in a transformation. (laughs) So I just walked over to him and I sat down and just let him cry. (laughs) And you know, have you ever heard anybody cry and then they kind of look at you and they just go... (laughs) And they're trying to talk, but they can't like this, no sort of way. He was like that. He never said a word. He just looked at me, and then he cried. And he looked at me, and then he cried. And then finally he stopped crying. And he looked at me, and he said, let's go get something to eat. I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I could do that. I think I could do this part of it. So he went and got in his car, and we went to dinner. And we're sitting in the restaurant, nothing's being said, and I don't want to approach it. I just, I don't know what to say that would be the right thing to say, because everything I've said was the wrong thing. It only got me more, you don't understand, you do not understand, you're not going through this. Yes, sir, I know, okay. (laughs) So I just figured I would approach it a different way, the way I saw it when I was in prayer, my meditation. And that was to be loving and just to be in the loving and just to keep looking into myself for that place of peace inside myself that I could hold for me, not for him, but for me. And so the meal came and we were eating and all of a sudden he looked up at me and said, so what were your thoughts when you saw me slammed that phone down to the floor. And I said, to be honest, I was afraid. My brother was a bodybuilder. And he had been Mr. San Antonio and Mr. Texas. And, you know, so that's how he he could tear the phone off the wall very easily. (laughs) And so you didn't want to make him too mad. So I told him, I said, you know, I didn't know what you were going to do. You you were tearing, you hit the wall and knocked the phone down to the floor. I didn't know what you'd do to me. And it kind of scared me. And I was going to go back to my room and just kind of stay in there till you left or whatever you did. And he said, well, I've got to change. I've got to change. And I'm going to start right now. He said, the one thing I've seen in you is that you don't put your stuff on other people. You don't try to make them wrong because you're feeling wrong yourself. And I've got to stop doing that. And he said, and I don't know how. I don't know how to do that. I have tried to be the strong man all my life, whether it's emotional, mental, or physical. 
I've been strong for other people. I've been strong for our parents. I've been strong for everybody around me. And I'm tired of it. I'm more of a weak man than you might ever imagine. Yeah, I've got muscles, but that's all I got. And so he began to ask me, you know, what do I do to handle my anger and my frustration? Do I ever get mad at people? Do I ever get blamed for things that I didn't do? Well, yeah, I have, actually. (laughs) And I told him about it. And he said, and what do you do to get even? How do you how do you get how do you get even with them? And I said, I've never thought about getting even with them. I just move on. I forgive them and I just move on. I I I can't convince them that they're wrong. I, I don't need to convince them that they're wrong. If I know my truth, that's all that matters. And if they want to ask me about my truth, I'll share it with them. Because, you know, being the child that I was with a lot of awarenesses on other levels and other realms of other forces going on, when I was young, I used to talk about it a lot, and people thought I was crazy and kind of pushed me away and avoided me, and and I had a lot of things happen even in, in junior high school and high school, that I did everything I could to bite my tongue and not let these words come out of my mouth, but they did. But I knew the truth of it. And the problem was what I said ended up coming true and they were more afraid of me than wanting to be around me anymore because of some of that. So I had to learn how to really love myself and honor myself and to be with myself in a way that most people never get a chance to. And I also had to learn how to love and accept people that didn't love and accept me. And if anything, it would avoid me and run away. So I shared that with my brother and he said, I know, I know. I actually have uh, some neighbors that uh, uh, their son used to go to school with you before they moved to a different district. And I kind of heard other stories about you from him. And I wondered, you know, what you were doing with all that and why you were doing all this. And he said, so how did you handle this? How do you handle it now? And I said, loving people. I just love people. I love God. God is everything to me. God is everything to me. Always has been, and I pray always will. And I know that if I love God, everything else will unfold according to what I need to experience. And if I love the God in everybody and in everything in this creation, then it will all work out, though I don't know how. And he looked at me and he said, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? And I said, I'd rather be crazy this way than crazy your way. Because what I see you doing is crazy. To me, that what you're doing is going to lock you up someday. Either physically they'll lock you up or you're just going to be locked up in your own prison of pain and anguish and separation. He said, oh, I've been locked up in that for a long time. And I said, well, do you know where the key is? Can you unlock it? 
And he goes, I don't even know where the door is. If I had the key, I wouldn't be able to find my way out. And I said, well, then that's the search. You've got to stop looking out there and thinking somebody out there is going to give you the answer, give you the key, open that door. And you've got to stop and find it for yourself. And he sat there for the longest time saying nothing. And he said, what do I do? I don't know how to do that. I don't know anything about what you're talking about. How do I do it? And I said, do you know how to pray? And he goes, oh, sure. We go to church every Sunday. I know how to pray. And I said, no, 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 no. Do you pray? And he said, I pray at Sunday. You know, it's on Sunday at church. I pray. And I said, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That doesn't work. That's an outer worship. That's an outer ritual. And it's wonderful and it serves you in many ways to be able to nurture that part of you that is in need of that. But do you pray? Do you talk to God? And he goes, well, maybe not really. And I said, maybe not really? (laughs) So I'm going to take that as a no. (laughs) And he goes, okay, take it as a no. And I said, then that's what you're going to do. Start talking to God. Tell him your problems. I said, that's all I do every day. And he said, so that's what you do when you're sitting out there between the houses in the afternoon and evening? And I go, that's it. I'm talking to God. And I'm telling God all my challenges, all my problems, all the things that I've experienced that day, all that I can think of to to share with God. And then I turn and I say, Lord, I love you. I just love you. And I give all this to you in my loving, and I open to receive your words and your loving. And he goes, for real, that's what you do every day? And I go, yes. He said, no wonder People say things about you that I've heard. <laughs> I said, I know. I'm, I'm crazy. I know it. But I'm really a happy, crazy person. So he said, all right. Tonight, when we get home, I want you to come into the room with me, and I want you to help me to do this. I, don't, I, I would not know how to do it. And so we got home. Saw and talked to mom and dad for a little while. And then we went back to his bedroom. (laughs) And my brother thought that he had to be on his knees and pray on his knees. And I said, that's not what you do. You just do this in an ordinary fashion. God doesn't expect anything out of us. Unusual, different. So just sit down and look up inside and just talk to God. And he says, well, why do I have to look up inside? I said, because God dwells within you. And he says, come on, how do you know that? What are you talking about? You know, and he said, yeah, I've heard that at church. God dwells within, uh, all this stuff. But how do you know that? Are you just saying that? I said, no, I know that. He goes, how do you know that? I said, because when I have gone to church, and they start saying the Lord's Prayer, all the light 
that is of soul essence rises up in the room up here to the top of a person's head. And it just is enlivened. It is just full of light. And I have realized that the light that I know here is the light that I see in everybody here at that moment. And it's so funny because it's right when they say, Our Father which art in heaven. Fump! It's right there. But then it dwindles back down as the services go on. And so I said, I know this is where God dwells in us. So look up here and start talking to God. So he did, and he kind of mumbled around and and whatever, and then all of a sudden, something clicked inside of him, and he really started getting honest with God. And I probably heard things I didn't need to hear. (laughs) It was just between him and God, but I heard it, and that was fine. And when he finished, he opened his eyes and he looked at me and he said, am I done? I said, I don't know if you're done, but did you feel anything? And he said, well, not really. I was just talking to God. I said, then close your eyes and go back there until you feel something. And and tell God, okay, here I am. I've, I've shared with you. Now I'm open to receive that which you want to give me. And he closed his eyes again and he did that and We sat there quietly for quite a while. And then all of a sudden he opened his eyes and he went, oh my God. He said, oh my God, this is real. (laughs) That was the first time somebody ever acknowledged my truth. I haven't talked. I haven't talked to Christ like this. (laughs) Feels good, but it's, Hard to talk. But he acknowledged my truth. I'm not so crazy. It is real. It is true. It does work. So he started doing that every day. In the morning before he went to work and in the evening when he got home. And it began to change. And he approached his ex-wife and he wanted the divorce. And they did get the divorce, but it was very civil, it was very kind, it was very loving. His relationship with his kids got really deep and very wonderful. And he changed his relationships with my mom and my dad and myself and everybody around him as best I could see. And in that moment of that time when he opened his eyes and shared that, I knew that this is real. And this is the simple truth of who we are. We are loving. We are soul. We are spirit. We are not this world. Yeah, we're in this world. We're in these bodies. But these bodies are not us. And the sooner we can realize that, and the sooner we can begin to live the simple truth of who we are, the easier, the more grace-filled, the more joyful our lives will be. And it's very, very simple, but yet it is so simple it's hard because the mind cannot wrap itself around it. The mind cannot understand it. And the mind will not really want to participate with it. 
because what you're going to be doing is above the mind. What you're going to be doing is not of the mind. The mind has created a great deal. Look around this room. Look around this city. Look around this planet. Look around the universe. That is all mind-made. The realm of mind, the element of mind, has created everything that we see, everything that we feel, everything that we experience with this physical body and in this physical creation is of the mind. It isn't of the spirit. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void. There was nothing here. Nothing. And it wasn't until God sent forth the souls into creation and into this part of the creation that was void and without form that it began to take on an element of life and light and form. And it's only because we, the spirit, the soul, gave it life and gave it form. And the way we did that is by coming in and participating with the mind to have experience here. Your soul is of pure spirit. Your soul is of pure loving. And as such, it isn't a part of this physical creation at all. Not at all. And so it had to take on the elements of matter of the physical creation to have experience in the physical. And so that's why we have these bodies. We have to have these bodies as a suit to be able to go into the world and have experience in that which is matter. Have you ever been with somebody who is dying and dies? And the last breath is taken? And when that last breath leaves, the body it's perfectly still. It does not breathe. It does not move. It gets colder and colder. All because that last breath was taken and released. Why? Why all of a sudden did this matter, this body, all of a sudden go lifeless? It could not move anymore. It's like a dead tree branch on the ground. It just lays there. It doesn't grow anymore. It doesn't blossom anymore. It just lies there and deteriorates. It's because there's something else in that body that gives it life. And that's you. That's the soul. You're the life essence that gives mobility, expression, and experience to this physical form. And the moment you withdraw from it, it's just a shell. It's just a piece of this earth. And as it says in the Bible, ashes to ashes and dust to dust shall you return. This is ash and dust of this creation and it's not you you were alive before you took on this body 
and you will be alive after you leave this body. You're just visitors. You're just visiting. And you just move on to the next, and to the next, and to the next. Incarnating again and again and again until you've finished up with the incarnations that you're to have here. Well, what in the hell am I doing here anyway? Or what in the heaven? Maybe for some people it's a heaven. You're here to have experience because the soul is an essence of God that has been sent forth into all of creation to experience God's creation fully. And there's a lot out there to experience, not just this little dinky creation of the physical. But this is a very important one because in this level of creation, of God's creation, in this level, we as soul truly discover our great potential of loving and our great potential of creativity. And we begin to manifest through loving our creativity and our creativity through loving. And we create a lot. And some of it's really beautiful and wonderful and some of it's kind of messy and not so beautiful. But that's how we learn. And when we're done learning about creativity and loving at these levels, we go on to learn about other aspects of God within us and other realms and other places and other creations. So if what we came here to learn about is loving and creativity, those two aspects of the soul that we are in this level of creation, why not approach life in that way? Be loving in all that you do and all that you say in all that you're experiencing, bring the loving forward. Even in the worst situations, bring the loving forward. And be creative in your life. Be creative. Be creative lovingly. Be creative joyfully. Be creative creatively. Be unique. Be the individual. Find things the way you want to do it through that loving and through that creativity and do it in your way. And it may look almost like somebody else's, but it won't be because your life experiences will have been different. Your lessons may be very much the same, but how you approach the lesson and how you learn from the lesson and what you are able to manifest from the learning of that lesson will be quite unique and yours. And I watched my brother begin to change his life by approaching life just that way. He became very loving, very caring, in many ways. Not perfectly. You'll never do it perfectly. Because this body is not perfect. Unless maybe I'm the only one that's not perfect. But I think everybody else has some imperfections out there to to deal with. This body is not perfect, so you're never going to get it perfect while you're in this body or trying to do it through this body. But you can experience and manifest a fullness of loving and a movement of creativity that is really very fulfilling. And I watched my brother 
change his life and do just that. My brother had been very mental about how he approached life, very protective of how he took care of himself, defended himself, and fought for himself. And he let all that go. And he came down to simplicity. And it was really very rewarding to witness somebody doing that. And watching him do it helped me to realize that we all can do it. You know the old saying, well, if he can do it, I can do it. Well, it's true. I figured if he could do it, because I thought, oh my God, you know, there's no turning around for him. He's just Mr. Strongman fighting the world. I think everybody could do it. And so if you find yourself fighting the world, if you find yourself trying to figure it all out with your mind or your emotions or your body and trying to understand this creation through those elements of yourself, stop and look inward and upward to that place where God dwells in you. That's why we ask you to meditate every day, whether it be five minutes or an hour or two and a half hours. And hold your focus up here for that time as best you can. And wake up to the truth of who you are. Wake up, wake up, and don't go back to sleep, is how Rumi put it. And that's the most profound statement I could ever quote from a teacher. When I read that, I knew he knew it all. Because it's truly wake up, wake up, and then don't go back to sleep. And I have seen people wake up spiritually. I have seen people truly come awake into the knowing of God directly in their experience. And then they've gone back to sleep. They've gone back into the dream state. They've gone back into the mind and got caught back up in the mind world and this physical world again and lost sight of that. And it's like that never really happened. So I know Rumi's statement is very, very powerfully true. Wake up, wake up, and don't look back down there. Don't go back to sleep. Or like the angel said to Lot's wife, don't look back. Don't look down. Just keep looking up. Just keep moving forward on this pathway that you're walking. Go for the simple. Go for the easy. Not necessarily the easy way of life in the world because there isn't one. Be nice if there was, but there isn't. The easy way is inside. And the easy way is loving. Love it all. Love yourself first and then love others. And love all your situations and life will be transformed. And it can begin very simply by closing your eyes, looking up, chanting the hue, or chanting the sacred name that you receive at initiation, the same name that Jesus gave at initiation, the same name that he received from John the Baptist at what they called at that time baptism, which was really truly initiation. It's that sacred name that wakens us up into all. It's the sacred name 
that Rumi initiated with, that Aristotle initiated with, that all these sacred traditions, such as the Jewish and the Hindu, the Buddhist, have all been aware of and know. Some have lost it. Some are still partially maintaining it. But it is out there for all of us to take on and utilize if we will. By ever giving our loving to God is the key to it all. All you have to do is just sit there and go, I love you, I love you, I love you. And you don't believe it and you don't know it and you don't feel it and you're not even sure if God's there. You don't even know if there is a God, but do it anyway. And one day, just like my brother, in a miraculous one moment in the same day, he felt God loving come in and fill him. And all of a sudden, God was real. God was true. And he just started giving himself up to that. And that's the key to this. That's the simplicity to this. So I hope that what I shared today kind of gives some inspiration, maybe some clarity. And if you really want the clarity and you want the inspiration, sit down and meditate. That's the only place that everything that Brian and I ever talk about is really to be found, really to be experienced. And it's got to be your experience, not mine or Brian's, that is going to awaken in you.